I just want to start off, I think it would be appropriate just to keep before us what, uh, what the elders, the vision that we felt, what the Lord put on our hearts, and for us as a congregation going into this, this next year. And um, so, as leaders, God has given us a strong desire and vision to see revival in our lands, as well as our community and region. We believe that through bold, persistent prayer, stepping out with expectation in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, walking in unity and living in righteousness, we will see the revival we desire to see in our lands and our area. Our goal is to continue to cast that vision and to equip you, the body, to grow in these ways. And I like the way Tom had shared about that, that, that word revival, but the idea of just awakening, the idea for us to, to take hold of, to, to, to live into, to walk, to walk out and walk into what, what Christ has made available for us. And so uh, this morning, I wanted to start out with a quote uh, that Tom had shared uh, in his message as well by uh, Pastor Tim Gray from City on, the Hill, City on a Hill Church in Arnold. And the, the quote is this, Why engage God's Word today? Why go to a church service tomorrow? Why access Jesus in prayer? Because without intentionality, we don't drift into holiness. When we uh, as elders gathered together on January 4th and had a planning meeting for this coming year, one of the things that came out of that meeting, as we are looking at currently what it is to live in righteousness, uh, there was an analogy that came forth and that had to do with working out at the gym. I can assure you I do not work out at a gym yet. <laughs> but I tell you that how many of you know that when God speaks, he knows how to perk your ears up. He knows how to get your attention and say, hey, this is important. This is for you. So when this, this analogy was shared about working out in the gym, it, it just really resonated and witnessed in my heart. And so this morning, guess what we're going to talk about? <laughs> working out in God's gym. And so the analogy in this is that, you know what, if, if I go to a gym and I just kind of sort of work out, or if I just show up, what kind of results do you think I'll have? <laughs> Poor. And that shouldn't come as any kind of surprise. If I, if I go into it with a real kind of casualness, it's, it's not going to be, be very productive. Or what happens if I go to the gym and I, have a, I, I do what I think is a really good workout, and then afterwards, I make a beeline over to Walmart and go to the chips and soda aisle. Amen. There's one. I see that hand, brother. Well, I would, I would have, again, what did I just do? I just, there was, a great, there was a good intention. I undercut it by 
going to the junk food aisle. Oh, that pains me to say that. But in reality, what does that say about the seriousness, the intent of heart in terms of going to the gym? Anybody here familiar with uh, Jillian Michaels? Okay, she's a trainer. I would not want to get on her bad side. I've seen one or two videos there. But it's the, it's the idea, man, she could be a drill sergeant. <clears throat> Sorry, just my personal observation there. Uh, but she said this, you can eat your way through any amount of exercise. And, um, and so the idea that <clears throat> if I go to the gym, there's, the gym is there for a definitive purpose and reason. And the choice is, what, how serious am I going to be with what's made available to me? So having said that, let's... Um, turn our hearts toward this set of scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. And this is Paul writing here. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Let's pray. Father, you see our hearts, and I give you myself, I pray to be lost in you, to be hid in you. And I pray that these words that are yours would minister life and transformation and encouragement and confidence and grace to the hearer that we may live into what we have in you, who we are in you, and bear fruit that will remain to your glory, for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I go to the gym, it's important to know why I'm at the gym. So that means if I'm going to go to the gym, I've got I to have a goal. I'm going to have a goal. If you go to the gym and don't have a goal, you just may put in the time, but you're going to be like the hamster on the wheel. If you go to the gym, you've got to have a goal. You have to have vision, discipline, and provision. Each is important. Each is connected to the other, but you need all three. So as I said, that, that entails having a goal. It also means, what am I prepared to do? 
And so it took me back to a time when we had a, we had a dance studio not too just up the road from here. And and so that involved working that meant involved stretching muscles and stuff and that hurt. I thought it was cruel and unusual punishment. But the idea was that, you know, in the pain, there was, while it seemed painful, there was good that came out of it because there was a purpose behind it. So the idea that if I go to a gym, if I'm going to work out, there's going to be some, it's going to take effort, there's going to be some pain, but there's, there's the idea that there's good in that. That's the conditioning and the toning and the building up. And today, in, in what I'm going to share, what I believe is that the Lord wants to encourage us and that for each one of us, he wants to be like a Caleb and Joshua and to, to go in and possess what we have in him. And that at the first time where we feel pain or resistance or this is hard, we don't quit. And the last thing is, is provision. What is, what's the, the equipment that's available at the gym to be able to accomplish the goals that we have in mind? So, I just want to share with you that, you know, in Ezekiel 47, verse 6, in this chapter of Ezekiel, this is where the Lord takes the prophet Ezekiel into the temple and he shows him, he shows him a stream trickling out under the door. And what I like about this, and, and you're familiar with it, but he, he takes him at various places and as he takes him to these different places, the stream gets deeper and deeper and deeper still. And in the course of that, the Lord tells him, he asks him a question. He says, son of man, have you seen this? And so the, the reason for that question is that the Lord wants Ezekiel to see that. He wants him to encounter that. He wants him to experience that. He wants Ezekiel to enter into that and not hold back. So that in our process of going to the gym and working out, so to speak, we don't settle for just a trickle. We don't just settle for being casual. When we go to the gym, we're all in. For the benefits, for the blessings, the eternal blessings and benefits to be gained. Now, I know that at some point the analogy breaks down. I get that. But the idea that when the Lord says there's more, we take him up on that. When he asks the question, did you see this? He is excited about that. And he's... And that's, and, and for the Lord to reveal that, to show him when he says, son of man, have you seen? Well, guess what? I'm showing it to you. Here it is. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to enter into it. So when we talk about living in righteousness, it's not just about do's and don'ts. Don't sin, do this. No. The idea, while sin is serious, while it cost Jesus his life, while he paid the ultimate price for us, made a way where there was no way, the idea 
The idea is to live into what he's purchased for us, what he's made available to us. That is to be partakers of his divine nature with him, reigning and ruling in this life and in the ages to come. That's a big statement. We sang this morning about we're no longer slaves to sin. If you read that passage in Romans where he talks about that, he says you no longer receive, you are, you are a slave again to fear and, and, and bondage. So he takes us from that and then he says, I made you my child. And one of the things that he says in there that I believe is important because there's another factor in this and that's our flesh. And he speaks to that in that same chapter. And how many of you know the flesh does not like to die? How many of you know that the flesh is hostile to God? Not just doesn't tolerate, it's hostile. Hates God, wants nothing to do with God. Would just assume, run away and say, forget it, I want nothing to do with you, period, that's it. That's pretty bad. That's, it says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else who can know it. But in that verse in Romans 6, where he talks about the flesh, he says, we're no longer debtors to, to the flesh. You know what? If, you, if, if, you got, if you're in debt, you're, you're enslaved to the one who holds the purse strings. You don't get until you pay the price. If you're in debt... You're owing. But in Romans 6, he says, we're no longer debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. He says we're debtors to the one who paid the price. That's Jesus. We're no longer debtors to the flesh. In Galatians, in Galatians 2.20, it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. There was a defining moment when Christ came, lived a perfect life, bore all our sins upon himself, died and rose again. That was a defining moment. Then there's another defining moment. And that's when he chases us down. He comes after us. He wrestles with our hearts and brings us to the place of saying, hey, I love you. I want to spend now and forever with you and you with me. And it's his goodness, it's his love that leads us to repentance. So in the rest of that verse, when he says, and the life 
I now live in the flesh. When we come to him, when we receive him as Lord and Savior, there is another defining moment. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. He didn't hold back. And so every day, the life I now live is a new opportunity to walk a newness of life, to live in righteousness. Just think about that, to live in right standing with God. But let me take that one step further because everything he does, he, he does in love. It says all the paths of the Lord in Psalm 25, it says all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. So every day is a new opportunity to walk in newness of life, to walk in confidence and love with him and to hear his voice and what he wants to say and do in our life. I guess I'm going to tell my age here. Most of us are familiar with the three R's from school. Remember the old song? Three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic. Well, I want to give you three different R's and what they accomplish. Relationship, relationship, relationship with Christ. Simple, I like that. Relationship, relationship, relationship. So what do they bring about? reconciliation, redemption, restoration, because he's our redeemer. There's four R's, but I couldn't resist. It just, what? Okay. Okay. Um, reconcile, redeem, and restore. And that's because he's our redeemer. So in the idea of, of talk, so in this whole idea then of the vision, <clears throat> I want to, that brings me to this place then. I talked about the vision and the analogy of the gym and then I talked about the analogy, or excuse me, the, the prophetic where the Lord takes Ezekiel to the temple and, and he sees the stream. But now there's a, another, the vision that I want to share with you now in, in the analogy of the gym is that it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the vision. And As our Lord and Savior, he, he wants to, and this is how, <clears throat> what I felt, he wants to be thoroughly involved in our life. And so, in working out with the gym, the thought came to me about a personal trainer. And so I, 
I thought, well, that's interesting. The thought came to me about a personal trainer, and I didn't have any clue about what a personal trainer does. So I know that that was the Lord. <laughs> okay, I'm being honest. It wasn't Julian Michaels, by the way. <clears throat> but the idea, so I asked Donna, so I'm giving credit where credit's due, about what does a personal trainer do? So first of all, the very first thing she said, a personal trainer is not cheap. <clears throat> okay? So if you disagree with me, don't come to me, go to Donna. <clears throat> See, there's a disclaimer there. <laughs> I like, no. Okay, so a personal trainer is not cheap. Secondly, the personal trainer never leaves your side. Boy, I like this. Can you see where this is going? If you don't, you're about to find out. <clears throat> they look, the personal trainer looks at everything when you go into the gym to help you. Who do we, who do we have with a capital H that is committed to help us? That's right. He's the helper. All right. That's right. So the personal trainer goes with you through each exercise. He doesn't want you to hurt yourself. He doesn't want you to, to use the equipment in the gym improperly. He wants you to be able to use the equipment correctly. The, the personal trainer is invested in you. You go and you get that trainer. You're saying, look, and if they're not cheap, you've given money. That's serious. You're saying, I'm all in. I'm serious about this. And you're invested in the trainer and what's about to unfold in the, the use of the equipment and the implementation of it. So, Jesus as our personal trainer, and I don't want to minimize that, as our Lord and Savior, <clears throat> but with all of these things that I just mentioned, he's not cheap. It cost him his life to be able to make that possible for us to have a relationship with him to where <clears throat> we can now walk in life, that we can know Him, that we can know Him. That is so, that is so big to know Him. There is no greater thing. There's even a scripture verse that says that, you know, <clears throat> for the wise man in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, it says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom or the rich man in his riches or the, the mighty man in his might, but let him who boasts, let him who glories boast in this, that he understands and knows me. So that when we get together with the trainer, when he speaks to us about what we're doing 
And he's with us wherever we go. He's the one who sticks closer than a brother. He has, he has a strategy. He has a plan. He has a goal. And he has a name by which he calls himself that testifies to that. Do you know what that is? Let me tell you. He's the way, the truth, and the life. That should speak volumes to your heart. That should encourage your heart that this is who he is, this is what he's committed to, and he did that with the cross. And then in the day to day, he's committed himself to lead us in paths of righteousness, it says in Psalm 23, for his name's sake. He's trustworthy and he's faithful. So when he writes in Philippians chapter 1 through Paul, Paul says this, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will be what? Faithful to complete it. It doesn't matter how you see yourself or where you think you are or you see yourself as totally like, I can't do this on my own. Well, great, that's the first step. That's the place where you give yourself to the trainer and say, God, I can't do this on my own. Without you, it's impossible. And then God is never ashamed or afraid or bashful to roll up his sleeves and get thoroughly involved in our lives. And he says, oh boy, now finally, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for welfare and not calamity. A future and a hope. An expectation that should do something for your day-to-day outlook. So when he speaks, something that I have that I've really grasped, that I've just really took a hold of, there's a scripture in John 6, verse 63, where it says, My words are spirit and they are life. So if there is an area in your life where you feel like, boy, there's not a lot of fruit here. Or I'm sure not happy with what I'm seeing here. You can ask him. You can go to him and say, God, I need help in this area. Speak into my life. In Proverbs chapter 4, Verse 1. I like Proverbs, by the way. Proverbs is a book that is very practical, that is down to where the rubber hits the road in terms of in the day-to-day walking and living out in righteousness. There's just so much good stuff there. 
and I think it's, perf- it's purposely done the way that it is, that at any given day, you can read one verse one day, and it leaps off the page, go through that same chapter, and there'll be another verse that'll leap off of you another day. And so, in that, I believe it's like a lifesaver. Remember the lifesaver candy? Take that verse and chew on it. Suck on it. And let God speak into your innermost being about that verse. So, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. That's important. He doesn't stop there. And be attentive that you may gain insight. Insight into what? Insight into him. Insight to how much he loves you. Insight to what he's what he has given to you, made available to you in way of his promises. There's a song on the radio that's playing right now on on 99.1 and I'm not sure of the title but in this song it says I don't want to miss one word you say because your words are life to me. I remember when I first the very first time I came down here it was like nothing, it was like everything else was blocked out of my life. When Jesus got my attention and I came down here, there was only one thing in my mind and that was I didn't want to miss out on meeting him. I felt like he was bringing me to a crossroads. I felt like, you know what? I don't want to be like two ships passing in the night. I want to be on a collision course with him. And God honored that. And I, believe it or not, I couldn't eat. I know you're all sitting down, but that's, that's pretty serious, by the way. And it, uh, everything else just went out of, of my head. There was only one thought and one thought only. That was Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to meet him. And he did. And then the rest, well, here I am. And I'm so grateful. So, in speaking to us, and I want to just elaborate a little bit in Proverbs chapter 4. If you go further down in that chapter, he says, at verse 5 of chapter 4, he says, get wisdom. Get insight. Well, what is wisdom? If you go, wisdom is the right application of the truth to apply it in a right way. So he wants us, it's not a suggestion, this is a command. He says, get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away 
from the words of my mouth. And then if you read on a little further, he said, he said this is the principal thing. And he repeats it. He says, get wisdom and get insight. So where do we get wisdom and where do we get insight? You're commanding me to come to you. Okay, you don't have to tell me twice. I'm coming to you because you're the one who knows how these things work together in my life. The things that I need to be able to bear fruit in your relationship with me. So he gives me understanding about the Holy Spirit. And, what is, and he sent the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Jesus is involved in this. The Holy Spirit's involved in this. The God, the Father, they're all vested in this. In me, in you. And then he gives the blessings. A little bit later, further down, he gives the blessings. He says, if you prize her highly, it will guard you. If you, if you embrace it, it'll keep you. If you, if you do this, you will have long life. But there are blessings that come with taking that wholehearted response. And so in going just a little deeper in this, the idea of attentiveness, I want to direct our attention to, again, Proverbs chapter 2. And what I want you to see in this set of verses in Proverbs chapter 2 here is the passion and the response and the wholeheartedness and what happens when we do that. So here in Proverbs chapter 2, thinking about being attentive, he says, my son, if you receive my words, and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. So looking at the verb and looking at the actions that are taking place, this writer of this here proverb, he's, he's all in. Both feet, all of him, he's all in. I'm all in, passionately, wholeheartedly, not holding back. Receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive, there's that word again, to wisdom and inclining your heart. You know what, if I'm bending my heart towards God and I'm all in, I'm not going in the other direction. I'm going in the right direction. And God wants to encourage and give you the confidence that you are on target. You're hitting the mark. The mark being Him. That should do something inside of you with great joy and confidence that when you find the joy of touching His heart, reaching His heart, pleasing Him, and that you're not being diverted, you're not taking a wrong path that leads to destruction, it further increases the expectation then that there's more, there's more, there will always be more. 
So inclining your heart to understanding. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. This guy's not bashful. If you seek it like silver, that's going to require a little digging. And search for it as for hidden treasures. He says this is what's going to happen. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. Not just some kind of encyclopedic answer, but a heart-to-heart knowing Him. Hearing the voice behind the words. Knowing Him and Him knowing you intimately. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. So in this whole thing that when we lean in, when we, when we give this response, you, what will happen is he will increase and we will decrease. There is more that I, I could share in terms of the, the, uh, the workout equipment in the gym. But I'm going to stop there, right here. I'm going to stop for now. But the idea that going into, his, going into, the, into life with him as our Lord and Savior and in the analogy of a personal trainer That he is with you. He looks at everything. He never leaves your side. He's there to empower you with whatever he speaks to you. He's totally invested in you. And he will never tire. And, and so, I just want to take a moment to, to pray and ask the Lord to speak in the days ahead to give us vision to be encouraged to be built up in him to be empowered by him and to know how strong wide and powerful his love is and what he's committed to do in each one of us to be able to live into the life that abundant life that he's made available for us. Lord, you're so good. We thank you that you paid the ultimate price, 
made a way where there was no way, that you've redeemed us, you've reconciled us to where we don't have to live a futile life, but that we can have life and have it more abundantly and enjoy and know you more deeply and intimately and walk in confidence and in faith, trusting you, trusting you with our life. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, your words are spirit and they are life. And we give you our hearts now and give you permission to speak into our life because your words are life. They heal, they restore, they deliver, they transform, they make brand new, they set us free. There's more, there's more. And we don't want to settle for just a trickle. We want to walk deeper and deeper and deeper. And just as you asked the prophet Ezekiel and said, have you seen? Lord, we see you at work. We see you at work in our lives. And we agree with you. There's more. And we want to go deeper with you. And we want to walk with you now and in the life to come. And we give you praise, Lord, for you are good and your love is great and you are faithful who's promised. In Jesus' name, amen.